Uh, welcome, new community, to a midweek podcast. A little bit of a video cast, actually. Is there a technical name for that? Uh, well, it may be video podcast. Okay. Well, wow, it's really, yeah, really helpful. Ba basic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty basic. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we are doing interview style. So we've done some interviews in the past. This particular time, we're doing a little video interview. Uh, that way, you, the watcher slash listener, can um, get to know Joseph a little bit more and uh, know a little bit more about his family. For those of you that do not know, Joseph uh, just recently came on staff at New Community as the foundations pastor or formations pastor, technically. Uh, and um, the emphasis, at least to start, will be primarily youth. And uh, then um, we'll add some more things post-COVID uh, to the works. But super excited to have him on staff. And totally. uh, we're going to do a little interview. I have not just so the audience is aware, shared any of these questions with you at all. Wow. Uh, so this will be off the top of your head. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get to know you a little bit more. Love it. Love okay. it. Okay. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. So uh, as Russ said, my name's Joseph and my wife, Nicole, and I have two kids, Haddon and Ivy. Haddon is four. Mm -hmm. Ivy is two. Uh, we have been married for eight years, just celebrated. Math. Yeah. Um, and we met in Bible college, same college you went to. It, yeah. Small world. Small world, um, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, so we've lived in Pennsylvania. We've lived in Florida. Uh, most recently, we were in Vancouver, British Columbia. And spent a little time in Portland, and now we are here in Spokane. The, the great metropolis of Spokane. The great Washington. metropolis. I mean, I've only been here for three weeks, but right. wow. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I mean, much. the McDonald's right there. Across Domino's the is right there. Yeah. It's going to be great for youth. Oh, it's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're going to put up a little video of your uh, family. Yeah. Or a little picture. Totally. the video. Uh, so hopefully you got to, everyone got to see Haddon and Ivy, cutest little stinking kids. Uh, Haddon started preschool. Started preschool. Uh, it was actually crazy. Y-W-C-A. That's right. Yep. With uh, teacher Lauren Love and it. teacher Ryan, both unbelievable. Yeah, we, I mean, we got on the ground and within less than a week, we were like, Healthcare was coming together and uh, hadn't with elementary school and we already had people providing us meals and like we we've moved around a lot over the last uh, years together. But this is by far the most welcome and the most hospitable community we've ever been a part of. So love it. It was just amazing how everything fell into place. And yeah, so Haddon's in preschool. Ivy's just running around as a two year old home alone with mom most of the days and uh yeah we're we're loving life so far awesome awesome yeah. well um obviously these questions i'm going to ask you the exception to the rule is always jesus you're right yes. the sunday school answer so when i say jesus. who are the who have been a few of the most influential people to you obviously the first answer jesus, jesus. yes but then apart from jesus yes uh what would you say a uh, few people that have been most influential and why Yes. Um, I think top two, definitely my dad has been hugely influential. Yep. I come from uh, what I like to call 
an embarrassingly amazing family. Uh, both my parents love each other. They've been married forever. Um, my dad was a pastor, great man, loves the Lord. Um, I grew up with a great love for the church and for the Lord and scripture and all of that. And so from a, a very young age, um, I just grew to um, love Jesus. And that was mostly because of, of my dad. Um, and then ironically, I think the second one would be you, um, no. which <laughs> tears, <laughs> um, but seriously, I've been on, uh, a very interesting journey in my ministry mm-hmm. career and I haven't been able to have a lot of touch points with people who not only I've known personally, but have known, uh, what it's like to be in my shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been someone who, it, who is, uh, very interested in thinking about and learning and kind of having vision for doing ministry in a different way than maybe I grew up in or the denomination sure. that I was a part of. Um, and so you may not know this, but Russ has been kind of um, one of my mentors and spiritual directors for probably intentional, low-key like a decade, but more intentionally probably like five or six years right. is I've just been kind of you know, the Lord's been working in me and I've been developing and, and growing as a leader and as a pastor and in ministry. Um, and so those those would be two people that I know personally. Um, people that I don't know personally, um, I have grown a lot to really be thankful for Pete Scazzaro, mm-hmm. um, who does a lot of work with emotional, emotional health. health. Yeah, emotionally healthy leader, Christian, yep. church, etc. Yeah, um, his wife, Jerry, uh, wrote a book called The Emotionally Healthy Woman that actually transformed my life hmm. um, in a weird way. It should not be titled The Emotionally Healthy Woman because it is for everybody. Hmm. Um, but I went through a really discouraging uh, last couple of years. And that book was really, my wife bought it for her own emotional health. And then I snuck and read it and I was Love like, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> um, and so she, that couple together, just the way that they've done ministry in Queens and he, I mean, it's rare to find somebody, I think who's in his late sixties, who is still trucking, who is still like faithful to his church and his wife and right. hasn't had any like scandal um, or whatever, like, that's amazing. And he um, would attribute that to the hard inner work of emotional health. Yeah. That he went through a season where he wasn't healthy. Yes. And in some ways, his ministry and life was careening off the walls. And then he really leaned into what does it look like to become emotionally healthy and then to have ministry flow out of that place. Yeah. Which I think is so important. And we, I mean, we, both kind of grew up in a culture where ministry was 24 seven and God is always working. So we're always working. And there was just this emphasis on always like doing and accomplishing and working and serving people. And while all of that is great and has its place, like we, I never really, even in seminary, like we never talked about Sabbath. We never, never talked about like the contemplative. We never talked about slowing and like centering prayer and all these like, things that in the last two or three years have really given life to Mm. myself, my own union with Jesus, my marriage, my family, and also my ministry. Um, And, you know, the, 
the the church just really at least in our the denominations kind of that we run in and the tribes that we're a part of that's not something that's really like emphasized um and so i had to do a lot of unlearning and a lot of like reworking of my framework of right. what ministry is and how to do it effectively and what the role of a pastor is and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean he is um pete and jerry have have really uh just transformed the way that I do ministry um, and have really grown to, I'm like, they've opened me up to St. Benedict and a lot of the monastic movement and the sure. desert fathers and mothers. And a lot of those are unnamed, mm-hmm. you know, they're just like yeah, collections of prayers like that. Um, An Ignatian spirituality. Yeah, and, exactly. All yeah. of that. Um, there's actually a mon, there's a monastery like very close to where we live. I think it's only a couple blocks, but I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, I need to hook up with the the monastery down the road and totally learn spirituality more. So, yeah. So, I mean, those there are plenty more, but I think those are some of the surface that I think recently have been really impactful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just as I learn what it means to be a husband and a father and, you know, a follower of Jesus and all that. So. Right. So, uh, flashback for the audience, just to so that people know the connection a little bit. Um, Shannon's youth pastor was Joseph's father. So, the one he just described as being the most influential person in his life uh, was the one that had a significant influence on my wife. And um, after Shannon and I met in college, we moved to Indiana, where you grew up, yep. first part of your life. And uh, worked for your dad. I was an intern for two years. Probably worked more hours as an intern. (laughs) (laughs) Then definitely you should have. One than I should have. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's in some ways been all downhill since then, right? In terms of uh, the amount of effort and energy and um, ministry is life and uh, is a passion and changing and being a part of what God is doing is significant. Um, but your dad is one of the guys I list as one of the more influential people in my life as well. Mm. Uh, so that's how we know each other. So that's back to 97. Before that, I know that I even met you probably at a TLC or something when your family came, I think, uh, at a snow camp, even we met. So I would have been, that would have been like 94 how old are you yeah, i would have been five yeah five years old yeah so i've known you since you were five and uh then we lived in the same area in indiana for about three three four years yeah. then uh the weird part and wrinkle of the story is where i moved from is where when you were uh what uh, 10 11 12 yeah going into the summer before my sixth grade okay year. then you moved to the hometown of of Scranton, Pennsylvania that I grew up in. Yep. Uh, we went to the same church, same church, <laughs> same schools, go comets. That's right. I mean, tonight's comets forever. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> and so in some ways, like we swapped lives mm-hmm. where we grew up and, uh, your dad worked with my dad at college and just a crazy small yeah. world uh, that we're in. So that just for you listening or watching, that's a little, uh, how we all, are connected yeah. in a unique way. Uh, so shifting gears, tell me how small group or living in community, uh, how has that influenced your life? The The idea of sharing life with other people, uh, how has that influenced you? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, my 
Bible college, seminary, and really first two jobs in ministry uh, were very much a style of ministry that was kind of like, you're the leader at the top and everybody else, you kind of teach them what it looks like to follow Jesus Mm -hmm. like you follow Jesus. Right. And so, and both of those are great. And I grew a lot from those experiences and the people that I was able to um, work with and serve alongside. But there wasn't a huge emphasis on like actually doing life together. It was more like come to our Sunday school or come to this youth group or whatever. And we would meet maybe once a month. But, um, you know, I don't think Nicole and I, either of us would would say that that was kind of a space where we really grew in our uh, not just philosophy, but also the incarnation of doing life together in ministry. And so. I think when we moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, which is where, you know, I think a lot of our experience and growth happened, mm-hmm. that was the first time that th- that we were involved with a a ministry specifically that we kind of like prioritized, okay, our leaders need to be a part of our life. Yep. And we were in a large church. It was a mega church. We had, it was me and Nicole and then probably... 15 other youth leaders Mm -hmm. and you know anywhere from 50 kids plus depending on the time that we were there uh and that's when we realized like man we can't just like show up to stuff and then like just do ministry and then go about everybody just disperse and go about their normal life like uh we really have to incarnate this model of small groups and community and discipleship in the context of life not just an event that you kind of show up to. Right. Uh, and I really grew in that in Portland. Uh, we moved from Vancouver into Portland and we were going to a church called Bridgetown and they had a huge emphasis on community, probably more so than most churches. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we did community or communion in community. Right. So we didn't do it on Sundays. We did it all in like small in context. our small groups. Yep. Um, all of our, kind of Sunday material was geared towards practices that we would do in the context of community. Um, and we were, we were leaders in, in that community and we had a a small group that we kind of worked with and that was every week weekends, you know, going to the park together. That was like going out to restaurants together. That was praying with each other, taking, you know, communion together, Um, and it was very hard and it was very challenging Mm -hmm. because it wasn't like just our friends. It wasn't the people that looked like us and were in the same stage of life in the same skin color and the same socioeconomic standing. It was, um, so diverse and we had people that were, you know, some were a long time following Jesus. Other people were kind of exploring. Mm-hmm. Some people, uh, we had a couple who was like um, houseless, like six months before joining our community. And so they were like learning what it meant to like have a, a stable housing situation right. and showing up to things. And that was like, it was just beautiful but I don't want to romanticize it. It's messy. It's so messy. Yeah, always. And it was hard, but I think the more that I was in it, the more that I realized 
I think this is like what, I mean, this was like the gospels, right? Totally. This is what Jesus was calling his followers to was not like show up to synagogue on Saturdays yeah. and like, hear me talk. Right. But it was like, no, you're, you're getting the dust of your rabbi, like on your sandals. You're like walking with someone all the time, texting, popping in here and there, yeah. you know, letting somebody you do their laundry at your home. Like it's kind of an open door policy. Um, and it's, so it's way more difficult. I mean, what you and I were trained in, in terms of seminary and uh, grad school experience is they've got questions. You've got answers. Yes. So if you have the answer, then you just stand at the lectern pulpit yep. up front, whatever different context you're in, you deliver what they need to hear. Then you challenge them with that. Sometimes you have relationship, but relationship is for the purpose of them opening up even more so that you might continue to help them yeah. live their life. Um, what I love is you started to invest in a different way with your youth leaders, because mm. certainly you can't do that with the whole church. You never right. can. But then you experienced in Portland what it looks like to live all of life with whoever. Yes. Uh, not just people you invite into it, but people who randomly join your group or sign up yeah. or um, are moved into the neighborhood. And it's those people that you're always with yeah. and around. Um, and honestly, that's what I love about new community is totally. that we try to live into what it looks like to have messy discipleship, yes. right? Um, where we want to share life. And that's what has made in some ways this pandemic maybe more challenging for um, I'll just speak for myself, more challenging from a leadership perspective for me than it does for some of my friends who are a part of churches throughout the Midwest that, um, you know, you just keep delivering the goods on a Sunday yeah. and you've just changed the format. Yep. Um, and that's the expectation. But here we want uh, to share life much more. And so it's more challenging when you have less interaction yeah. uh, to really encourage one another. Yeah, and that's also what was really very new for me in Portland was I, when we transitioned out of Vancouver to Portland, I wasn't in ministry. Mm -hmm. So vocationally vocational speaking. ministry, right. I wasn't a pastor. Right. Um, and so I, we moved to Portland. I got a job at the mall selling mattresses. We were, we were in a place where we were like trying to figure out our life. What are we going to do? Um, and being in community, without being a quote-unquote pastor being mm -hmm. on the like payroll of a church right but still investing in ministry and having a pastoral role was a very new experience for me and one that i think also kind of like recalibrated how i saw being a pastor and working for a church mm -hmm. and living in community and how i saw leadership and all of those things were were really radically, I think, altered for me in a negative way because I was like, I don't know how to do this. Right. But also now looking back in a super positive way because it it helped me see ministry and community and incarnational life as being something beyond that I like get paid to do. Right. You know. I know and one that's, of the that's things, new. Yeah, I know one of the things in the interview process that 
you expressed as being exciting or you were eager to step into is a new community very much do not believe in the separation of laity from clergy. Yes. So uh, a lot of ministry is kind of the clergy is up here. They do their thing. And then the common laity is separated. Uh, we view it very much that it is the laity out in front. They're the ones doing the work of the ministry. And it is our responsibility to come alongside of, to coach, to encourage, to participate with so that the whole church moves forward together uh, versus the leader moving forward and everyone just saying, keep it going. You're great. Yeah. We love it. Versus, versus what we're trying, which is as a community to keep moving uh, forward together. Yeah. So Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's probably closer to what Paul meant when he talks about like, follow me as I follow Christ. Right which is not follow me and become a pastor and preach sermons on Sunday or whatever. Like follow me as I follow Christ has to look very different because 99% of the population of the world are not pastors. They're not in like vocational ministry. They're not getting a paycheck from the church. Um, And so I think that's beautiful when we can kind of incarnate that and be like, Hey, this is part of who I am and part of what I do and part of how I see my vocation, but it is not who I am yes. and it is not what I do. Yeah. Um and that was like a really beautiful vision for me and was something that I've always kind of wanted, but I was never really ready to make the like take that step of faith and sure. the risk of that. Sure. Because it's like you said it's messy and it's hard and it's mm-hmm. not it's not easy and it's not um, safe. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's what also makes it like beautiful is like, all right, I just got to like step out and see what happens and trust the Lord to provide. Right. So, yeah. Love it. Um, shifting gears. Um, what's the best compliment you've ever received? The best compliment I've ever received. Um, I don't actually get a lot of compliments, about man i think the probably the get the one i get the most often Mm -hmm. is your kids are so cute your kids are so i love their hair necessarily compliment you doesn't compliment me um but that's what i mean most spaces that i'm in (laughs) they're like looking at my kids or looking at my wife because everyone in my family is uh what most people say unique Mm -hmm. um and you could probably tell that from the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not Swedish like me. They aren't <laughs> of European descent, um, which is beautiful. Greatest compliment. I don't know. I We raise support. Um, and one of the things that happens in that is we have tried to like contact people that we've done ministry with in the past and yeah. just be like, hey, we're stepping into this new space. Um, we would love for you to like, both pray with us, but also financially support us. And we have two of our youth from Love it. Canada who are supporting us at $5 a month. Love it. And that's, prob- that's probably one of the biggest compliments that I've ever received um, because they're not in youth anymore. They're both like 
working and in university. Shout out Joanna and Reese. Love you. Um, but they are like kind of, you know, they're not making a ton of money. They're not like in these spheres where they can just like give a lot. Um, but they were able to like, I think have the posture of Joseph and Nicole really, their ministry meant a lot to me Mm -hmm. and I don't have much to give, but like, I believe in what you guys are doing. And so here's my like kind of widow's might. Totally. And that's probably the greatest one of the greatest compliments because, um, you know, that's, that's a gallon of milk, but also on the flip side of that, that is just like, so encouraging to me that like, you know, it may not be the most amazing ministry ever. And, you know, it's not like everyone's like, yo, share the secret of how you were so successful, but you just look at these little pockets of ways that you kind of like laid your life down for the good of of the people that you're shepherding and see like kind of an immediate return in that is really encouraging no it's an amazing yeah so yeah. and i love the little five dollars you know the the five hundreds are amazing but <laughs> the fives are you know are just as amazing in a different way so absolutely yeah absolutely uh three people dead or alive that you would want to have dinner with again, excluding Jesus. We excluding know. Jesus. Um, Beyonce, absolutely. Okay. Are these all? T- are we at a table, or yeah. am I able to have three different? Like three different dinners. Yeah, with three one people, dinners? or we're like all. Well, together. I think Nicole would come to that one too, right? With Beyonce. I mean, she'd probably have to, <laughs> but I'd be like, I want to talk to Beyonce myself. <laughs> um. <laughs> Because if Nicole came to my dinner with Beyonce, it would kind of become Beyonce and Nicole. Sure. And I would just be an afterthought. Yeah. So I wouldn't get my time with Beyonce. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And so I would. But if you invited Jay-Z, then you could. I mean, if if Sean is there, then it's a different story. Sure. Then it's like a double date. Now right. we're talking like, yo, are we going to get to the yacht? <laughs> like, are we hanging out in Barbados? What's how, What's going on? Um. <laughs> Yeah, so Beyonce for okay. sure. All right, two more. Uh, two more. I would say, hmm, probably a guy named Chris Thiele. He's a mandolin player. He's okay. a musician. Okay. And I've been a huge fan of his music since I was like eight. Okay. And he is like, he was a prodigy and he is in a bunch of different bands and music and he's like kind of a genius he is a genius Mm -hmm. but i would just love to pick his brain about his life and how does he see music and the way he like just does life is amazing does he write his own or does he just oh yeah and he i mean he performs with like symphony orchestras and also does like jazz and what is amazing is he just takes the mandolin which is an acoustic instrument Mm -hmm. it's only got it's got four strings, but eight really, because a mandolin has two of each. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very small, right? And yet, it seems very one-dimensional. Like you play folk music, you play country music. You kind of—that's what that instrument is. Right. And it's he's been pigeonholed to a particular yes. Format. And he's kind of been like, no, this is like a genreless instrument that can go beyond like anything that you can think about. Mm -hmm. And I just have so much respect for people, but specifically musicians who are 
able to see the world outside of like these boxes and I'm able to be able to be like, yeah, I can uh, go play with the London Symphony Orchestra, but I'm also going to cover Britney Spears Toxic on the same instrument and do totally different vibes. Right. Um, and I just love, I love that. I think it's, it's amazing. Now, did I, I told you about Oliver Arnold's, have you told you? Yes. Well, I know who that is. But also amazing. Yes. Some of the stuff he's doing uh, from Iceland, for those of you uh, interested, um, unbelievable. Hooking a computer up to the piano to accompany him while he plays a keyboard. Yes. Insane. It's just crazy how people are able to think so far in front of yes. the traditional ways to do anything, yeah. not just music, but like right. cooking or food yeah. or politics or culture, like theology, theology. Yeah. And it's I think inspiring. that's, I've always been someone who really, I like to think that way, even though I'm definitely not as like gifted as other people who really step into those spaces. I've always kind of thought in way that's like, let's think, kind of like outside of what we've always yeah. done or whatever. And I think that's why I resonate so much with you sure. and why you've been so influential in my life is just because that's a really risky, but also beautiful way of like doing life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Beyonce, Chris Thiele, um, third and final, third and final. I don't know. We may have to, give a little Jeopardy music because I need to think more <laughs> about this. Because, I mean, it's really just Beyonce. Um, and then probably... There's got to be some dead German theologian, no? Um, I was. <laughs> like, if you would have asked me in seminary, mm-hmm. I would have been like, uh, John Calvin, Luther, St. <laughs> Augustine. Um, but probably not as much anymore. I'll, I'll just keep it... What about Pete? Oh, Pete would be amazing, but go. I would be very nervous about Pete. Because I feel like I'd sit down and he'd see right through me. He would and ask he you would a just, soul penetrating question. Yeah, he would just be, be like, "How's your soul?" And right. I would just be like, <laughs> <laughs> um, "He'd be up there." But I think if I had to choose between Pete and Michelle Obama, I'd probably pick Michelle. Yeah, like Barack's awesome, but sure. I mean, if you're sitting at a table with Beyonce, Michelle Obama, and Chris Thiele, come on. Yeah. I think both you and Chris would be pretty intimidated. We would be outside of our league for sure. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah, would be an, some, it'd be an interesting uh, conversation. Power would, players right yeah, there. Yeah, those are some. I mean, I went straight to the top. This is my like yeah. my dead or alive lunch. They'd right. all be alive. Yeah. Well, that's even better. Yeah. Because um, I feel like dead would also present certain challenges. But sure. Anyways. Love it. Love yep. the list. Okay. Uh if you had, a, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would be on it and why? It right could, now, yeah, a billboard. It could be, <laughs> it could be in Times Square. It's a dangerous <laughs> question. I uh, totally. It could be in Times Square. It could be downtown Spokane. It could be, you can name the place, or it could just be in general. This is the billboard that I would want, and and why? Man, there are so. I think there are so many so many things and in our current cultural climate you know there are a lot of things right. that 
Again, excluding John 3.16. Excluding which, John 3.16 and I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. Besides if you were those, to die today, where would you spend eternity? <laughs> right. Um, other than www.new-community.com <laughs> slash youth-ministry. There you go. If it wasn't going to be that, yes. that would probably be my number one. Right. Um, if it wasn't going to be that, oh, man. It's a That's, tough question. That is a very tough question. I know. Because I think my initial knee-jerk reaction would be something political, mm -hmm. uh, like Black Lives Matter. But I know that would be that hits people different ways. Sure. And some love that, some hate that. Some love it and some right. hate it, which is why I think it makes a great billboard. Sure. But I would also I don't, don't want know, an entirely divisive billboard. I don't want to divide everybody. Right. But I also would I don't know what I would say, but I would want it to be something that wouldn't have a specific necessarily like an outcome. Like a question or a phrase that would just cause somebody to look at it and be like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Or like, what is truth? Mm -hmm. Or something like, you know, sure. like that doesn't have necessarily like a Jesus spin or like a voting spin. But I don't know what it would say, but I would definitely want it to be something that would cause people to like really think about it mm -hmm. like i saw a, a billboard one time that was uh if you could solve this algorithm like then you could get a job at google and it was a billboard that was essentially like a job posting a job posting but nobody really unless you knew what you were looking for you didn't know that's what it was but then it was google's way of basically being like we're not going to send out resumes we're going to weed this out by and right. it was in la or something like sure. legit and whoever got it was like, oh, I, I know that formula or mm -hmm. I can figure out that website. And it was just like a domain name, but you typed it in, you like, you know, wrote your email or whatever. And like, you got this software engineering job at Google. And it was just a, um, like, that's, that's an amazing strategy sure. or something. Um, so that's a great question. I don't know what I, I would probably just put up a picture of my kids maybe with our Patreon account of like support us monthly. <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> right. slash the Petersons. Yeah, totally. And if you like these kids, you're going to love the, what we're doing in Spokane. Exactly. So like support us. I would say if I, I don't know exactly what would be on my billboard. I just know that at this season of life, I would want whatever was written or shown to give some hope or encouragement. Yes. Something that would, people would walk away having been bettered by seeing it or thinking about it, or it might resonate with them in a certain way um, that brings hope and yes. vitality to life. Because I think during this season, uh, that's what we could all use a little bit more of. Absolutely. And ha a picture of Haddon Ivy would definitely give hope yeah, to the world. For sure. Yeah. If you, well, you hopefully saw You, you saw you the pick. Here's another one. <laughs> excellent well look at done. that well done wow. check that out yeah all right um i think i'm gonna just wrap up with a few questions that the youth might want to know yes love okay. it um what's uh your favorite food favorite food um really anything that nicole makes nicole is a absolutely phenomenal cook 
Um, I love tacos. Mm-hmm. I love. Uh, my wife makes this butternut squash soup that is just unbelievable with some aardvark hot sauce have you ever heard of aardvark no i think you can only get it in portland because that's where we found it and people like travel to portland to get aardvark because i don't know if you can i don't know if you can get it it. i don't think so but a little bit of aardvark in that with some my wife now has stepped into the bread making game as well and i'm telling you what when was the last time you had home cooked fresh bread is Shannon a, a two artisan? weeks ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, Tara Knight. Oh, Tara. I do mm-hmm. know Tara. Shout out, Tara. Yep. Uh, sourdough starter. Amazing. Nicole hasn't... She's not in the, the starter game. Hers is more the long-form flower rising game. Got it. Um. But yeah, I love... I also really, really love French fries. French fries, I would probably say, out of everything, is my like my meal of choice. Okay. Comfort food. Comfort food. They got to be right, though. Shoestring. Okay. Maybe battered. Or anything from Chick-fil-A. I'm also okay. a huge Chick-fil-A <laughs> fan. Coming soon. Coming. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, I would ask favorite artist, but you've kind of already mentioned two of them. Yes. So no need. Yep. Um, maybe best movie or most recent movie that you enjoyed uh, that you would recommend. My favorite movie of all time is a movie called The Village, which I know gets a really, yeah, it gets a really bad rep. Sure. And a lot of people hate it, but I think it's absolutely unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It's so nuanced. It's so deep. So many layers. Shout out M. Night. Shout out to M Night. You've had some strikeouts, <laughs> but you've also But listen, no great artist can If you're not striking you're gonna, out, yeah, you're not you're trying, not trying. Hard enough. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. M Night's going to love that when he sees yeah, this. Yeah, thanks. Shout out to <laughs> my boy M Night. All right. Yeah. Uh favorite word. Do you have a favorite word? Favorite word. Um I have told our story a few times and I've said the word dinks and it stands for dual income no kids so it refers to a married couple Mm -hmm. who are both working Mm full-time and don't have any children therefore their uh income is going towards just the life of them too just right and the I just think it's a great abbreviation. <laughs> it's like we were just a couple of dinks in Florida. Yeah. And you could take that so many different ways. But if you know like, oh, dual income, no kids. Mm-hmm. That's a great word. Game changer. It's a game changer. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of abbreviations. Yeah. So youth can really expect a lot of briefs. Okay. In our You know comms. who else is? Kevin. Kevin, Kevin likes to word mash. Yeah. Two different words together and make one word out. Yeah. Of it. You know what one I just used in a texting conversation recently hmm. was nog ship. Nog ship. No, I don't. Monogamous uh-huh. relationship. Oh. Yo, I'm in this nog ship. Got with it. Nicole. There you go. Nog ship. Learning something new on the podcast today. I love it. Um, let's see. Final maybe final question. Yes. If 
you could, um, why should youth at New Community not only engage in the youth group, yes, but invite friends to engage in it as well? Besides words like nogship. Nogship is going to be, you're going to get a lot of those. <laughs> Besides that or dinks, why, yes. why should they be engaged in New Community youth? Um, I would say that one of the reasons I would encourage youth to take part in what we are going to be doing at New Newcom Youth and also consider inviting other people to be a part of it is because Newcom Youth has been and is going to continue to be a place where you as a youth are accepted and affirmed and encouraged not only in who you are but also in who you are becoming yep and i think there's a lot of space in culture where students especially are accepted if they adhere to a certain standard Mm -hmm. so if they act a certain way or if they have a certain athletic ability or if they can get the certain grades or if they have a certain sexual or gender identity or if they can kind of fit the box or the social norms yes Mm -hmm. of what we expect of you then you can like be one of us Mm -hmm. and newcom youth is a place where um we don't have any of those like social norms that you have to be a part of yeah i mean you don't even have to know what you believe about God or Jesus or faith or anything like that. And I think that's a really rare community to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And I think Newcom in a lot of ways embodies that Mm -hmm. as a whole community, which is one of the reasons I love this place and the, this team and the leaders that we have here. Um, But that's what I see a lot of in the life and teachings of Jesus is him calling people to explore what they think about the kingdom of God and follow him as he over time encourages them to grow into who they are. Um, And I just think that's such a beautiful vision for youth because the pandemic has forced us all to be insecure, uncertain middle schoolers. Like we're all just grown up junior hires and we know how to fake it. But I think one of the things that this kind of cultural moment is showing us is that the fear, the insecurity, the anxiety, uh, the loneliness that we often associate with like a middle schooler or a Mm -hmm. high schooler is really all of us. We just have a lot of other things that we kind of like numb ourselves with. Whereas a middle or high schooler isn't necessarily mature enough to numb themselves in in all these other ways that we tend to as like adults. Um, And so I think that has really leveled the playing field in terms of like, you're trying to figure out distance learning. I'm trying to figure out my job and my relationships and finance and dating and all of these, you know, I think there's been a leveling of Mm -hmm. people and we don't really see, I hope that one thing that this new like season of life, whatever life looks like in the future, well, we got a pence fly here. Um, 
whatever like the new thing that we're stepping into in our future is just kind of like the the field is level we're all welcome to the table all of us are going through our own stuff and we don't have a specific story or anything like that that prohibits us from those kind of things and I think that's a beautiful vision and I think we can really work at middle and high school like let's start to learn those lessons now so that as we mature and grow and develop we now know what to look for in a community that we want to be a part of moving right. forward whether right. it's in Spokane or other places right. so uh yeah. so I'd say this uh youth and parents if you have not yet signed up for the skinny which is the youth newsletter yep uh that has been going out Joseph's been communicating make sure you sign up for that online uh in addition to that you started a podcast yep the the three episodes that are out already three episodes yeah kind of like a hello episode and then an introduction to students and an introduction to parents yep um i would highly encourage you to check those out it gives you a little bit of the vision behind uh what youth group is going to look like uh, what it means to be a part of the community um and kind of envisioning what that the future looks like for youth ministry also you started an instagram account i believe or took over the instagram account so that's going as well uh, all of that you can uh, access via the website, I believe, yep. and uh, and also went out uh, via the newsletter. Totally. So uh, thanks for tuning in to our midweek video cast. And uh, we're excited that you are here and uh, we'll see you on Sunday. Peace. Love it. Done. That was great. Uh, you did say Pence Fly and I almost... <laughs> What? I almost just laughed. You should have. That's why I thought. I was like, I, I can't. You were gonna laugh. I can't do it. I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. We did have like a pence fly coming to land on there. I just, I was like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. But you could have done it. No, it was. We'll put it in the outtakes. <laughs> oh man. Well done, dude. That was great. And uh, was I mean, good questions. I didn't. Even yeah. Have good answers. Sure, but I think the goal was just to. Um, one, normalize who you are, give yes. kids an opportunity to see you answer questions that are bigger, but also things that are.